Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I have two incredible coaches with me, Andy and Ruth. Andy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you both? I'm great. Ruth, how are you? I am very good, thank you. Nice to be here on my first one. First Q&A. Uh, yeah. I got Invisalign yesterday. Ooh. If I've got a little bit of a lisp, then... Can't, you can't see it at all. I know it's quite good isn't it um <laughs> saying that I already don't like it I when I put it on social media someone was like you're or they were like oh, it's the only thing that ever helped me lose weight was having Invisalign and I was like oh like can't be that annoying to like take- kind of not really what it's for <laughs> I know not not similar outcome but I was like surely it can't be that annoying to like take your braces out to eat no no it is and it's really gross and then also you have to go and brush your teeth after and like your braces, right? So I've just noticed I'm like, oh. and then I've noticed how busy my schedule is because normally I just grab stuff on the go. I know that's bad, everyone. I know. Do as I say, not as I do. But then I'm like, there's not enough time for me to eat this, brush my braces, brush my teeth and then come on. So I can see how... um how that's a bit of an issue like oh I guess like a benefit if you're trying to lose weight but sales are going up now aren't they loads of people are going to be booking in there and Invisalign mm-hmm. honestly so many teaching points from Invisalign for coaching like one the investment like who's going to pay four grand for straightening your teeth and then be like do you know what I'm probably not going to do it like that's going to make you do it so same with like investing in your health investing in the process And then two, I think there's just so many like links between doing something that's pretty unenjoyable for a long period of time without like, I can't see the difference from yesterday, obviously, because nothing has changed, right? Much like that first time when you go to the gym and you're like, why am I not shredded yet? Like same kind of thing. It's the delayed reward. And then this was an interesting thing. And I was actually thinking of it more in relation to AFM, but the way that they put like a, a time frame on it. So they're like, they said to me, it's probably going to take a year, but if you need more at the end, we'll just have to continue, right? So it might be more than a year. And that's kind of how you should frame coaching, right? You give people an expectation. If they just said to me, you're going to have these braces until your teeth are straight. I'm like, like, I don't have any idea how long that might possibly take. And it's kind of the same with how you talk to clients. Like it might take about this long and that gives people like a psychological framework to work around as opposed to just like, we'll just keep doing this indefinitely forever. It's very hard to commit to something indefinitely forever. Hence why I'm single, but it's yeah. less, like, it's not as hard like to commit to a time frame, right? If someone was like, I just want to be your girlfriend for 12 months. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's doable. And then we can reassess when we get to the 12 months mark. Is this you putting that out there that it's 12 months? Yeah, <laughs> Just... wants to apply. 12, like... 12 days, 12 days. Emily we'll open a type, a type form. More manageable bite sized bits. <laughs> Andy clearly knows me well. Oh, the other news I have is yesterday I watched this incredible lecture on the EIQ grads from the. Paula Radcliffe's physiologist, but also the physiologist that worked on the two-hour marathon record. So fascinating how they did that. But anyway, yeah, that's that's my news. Does anyone else have exciting news? 
not as good as that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <sighs> Just trying All to. Right. Well, I mean, the most exciting news is that Ruth is here. I'm very happy to be here. Good. <laughs> so your question master today. So, yeah, throwing me straight in. Um, shall I start? Yeah. You ready? Okay. Well, the first one it says morning. Any tips for increasing protein amounts in diet? I'm struggling to get my full amount each day. Thank you. Okay. Okay. It's always a, it's always a good this is a good one to put in the group actually. Um it's you'll probably get some better ideas than the three of us because we'll probably stick with the same stuff day in, day out. But the first thing yeah, I'd always what say, I'm gonna say is increase, so, increase your protein uh increase your protein intake of your the, the source that you choose it in meals. So rather than having a hundred grams of chicken, have 150 grams of chicken. Um, and look at increasing the sources during your main meals rather than worrying about snacks around about that. Um, snacks can come, and especially things like protein bars are quite handy to have, but your idea should be planning and prepping your meals that you get 25 to 30 grams of protein in without even flinching. Yeah, I agree, because when I'm tracking anything, it might not be the calories, but I'm just keeping a mental note of my protein, and I would do it over meals, and I'll aim for around 30 grams per meal, and then I'm there, 20 to 30 grams per meal, in the same way that Andy says. Hmm. Yeah, and once you do that, it takes a lot of the pressure off, well, pressure, it, yeah, you you know you're going to hit about 100 grams by the end of the day, so that would be the best thing to do. And then I kind of hate saying this because it sounds like really lazy coaching, but Google is going to be your friend here. Like if you just want a list of protein sources, there's no point us just reeling off protein sources. A way better thing is just to look on Google and be like protein sources uh, that aren't me or that are me or that are lean or, you know, whatever sort of um, specificity you have there. And then I think it's really important to, to note what Andy has said, because that's what we normally, the normal go-to is like, I need to find more and more different sources of protein as opposed to just being like, oh, I could just have a little bit more of what I'm having. And actually that's kind of hit my protein target already. Somebody did actually comment saying about the Graham's protein yogurt pouches. And I think they're 15 grams of protein. The Arla ones are like 20 grams of protein or 21 grams of protein. So um, there are those as well. I guess. God, grams is only fifteen. Why? It's less. I don't know, but it is easier to easier to. It's less thick when you're eating it, so it's slightly nicer consistency, I think. But you sacrifice five grams of protein for that consistency. Gosh, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a protein yogurt connoisseur here. Oh, I yeah <laughs> yeah. I've tried them all. <laughs> all right. Okay then. What ones okay. did I like? I think I prefer the ones that you actually scoop. I think there's a psychological thing of like, if I'm having like a pouch, I don't really feel like I've eaten anything. I prefer a pouch. Yeah. Well, I guess it's much easier, isn't it? You don't need a spoon. Especially the Arla one that is so thick that your spoon stands up in it. I find a pouch of that easier, I think. All right, then. No, that's each their own. first, First fact about Ruth doesn't like viscosity of yogurt. No, I don't want a spoon that stands up in it. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Shall I go on to the next question? Yes. Tips for rehabbing doms. These gym sessions are kicking my ass. Who's going to answer? Is that Andy? Don't don't look at it as rehabbing doms. Doms don't <laughs> doms don't need rehabbed. They're it's not an injury. Um, 
there are a couple of surefire ways of getting rid of DOMS. One, um, a hot bath, but it's only going to ease it off. It's not actually going to get rid of it. It'll feel pretty good at the time, but you'll probably stiffen up again later on. The other main one is go back and do it all again. If you've got stiff legs, go do some bodyweight squats. It'll loosen things up, get them get them moving. Um, or if you want to go and get a massage, it's always a, another um, way to get rid of DOMS. But DOMS, are, it's going to be a weird one though, isn't it? Because everybody's like, oh, you know, I've got, I've got amazing DOMS after a training session. But it's not really a great way to, to uh, work out how your training session's been. It's not a really good judge of progress. But... I still want to feel it the next day. So it's one of those ones where I'm like, you shouldn't use DOMS as a, as a, as a way to measure your training, but I do. I still love having a bit of DOMS the next day. So yeah, it's... It is satisfying, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on, because I think a few episodes back, we said something about how massage doesn't work and that like it, or I think it sounded like that at least. And actually what we should have said is we don't know how massage works, right? So there does seem to be benefits both in terms of like injury prevention, reducing DOMS, um, even like and pain relief. But there's no, it, what's interesting is we don't really know why that's working from like a more scientific level than just if you rub something, it feels slightly better. Like we don't know like mechanistically why that's working. Just wanted to put that out there in case anyone was still what, you know, like obviously it's been playing on my subconscious. No, there's misinformation out on the ESG fitness podcast. <laughs> Um, or say, I'm sorry, carry on. I'm just going to say one more thing because this is week four of Commit to Six. So your workouts have just changed. So I'd be surprised if you didn't have DOMS and it's literally just because the workouts are different. And that's what I was going to say. So that's fine. I was like, if you've just done started a new block of workout, you're going to get DOMS and then it will get easier again, won't it? They kind of wear off. I don't think I've got anything to add because I was apart yeah. from maybe magnesium salts, like Epsom salts in the bath are good as well well can help maybe yeah Uh, one thing that you could touch on is during menopause often you don't recover as well from exercise so if you're having like chronic doms that we often see in menopause women maybe they're like training volume or sessions haven't really changed but if you've got chronic doms it's quite a good sign that you're not recovering that well yeah if it's carrying on all the time and actually it does like you said you do take longer to recover. Your muscles take long to, longer to recover and repair. So allowing yourself time before going again. But walking is something I would recommend as well. Just go for a little walk to help get the lactic acid and so on just um, moving. So yeah, definitely if you're perimenopausal, she hasn't said that. Or he hasn't said that. Well, I'm good. <laughs> I, I was about to say, I, I, I'm pretty sure this was not menopausal. No, unless there's Gavin the girl, but no. <laughs> So having one of three men that we have. <laughs> I um I yeah, I could have corrected you, but actually you know what it's useful for all the um women in the group as well. So thanks, Gavin. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Next question is a menopause question or a perimenopause question. Any tips for relieving joint pain due to perimenopause? Really find it affects my sleep. Um so yes, there are tips. I'm assuming you want me to yeah, you, on this one. yeah yeah um so there's a few things so the your your joints kind of there's estrogen receptors which can mean that you're more prone to getting joint pain during this time which is normally kind of a joint inflammation so with joint inflammation you could try over-the-counter medication anti-inflammatories or talk to your doctor obviously as well 
it can be linked to stress. So it's worth assessing things going on in life. Like if you're feeling particularly stressed at the moment, it's worth looking at reducing stress to help with the joint pain, which might sound a bit strange. And um, also things like HRT, going talking to about that, vitamin D, creatine, magnesium, sage, all these things have um, can help joint aches and pains anyway. So it might be worth including one or two of those in your routine as well. Anyone else? Um, I was just thinking re-anti-inflammatory. One of the, I don't know if there's any research on this. I feel like potentially sub- supplementing with sulforaphane. Let me just, um, the um, broccoli extract. But it's broccoli really... extract? Well, no, no, sorry. It's from like the the seeds of broccoli. Um. Again, this is this this is going down like a Mexican cartel route of poppy. I thought seed. you could say like black pepper. I've heard that, but <laughs> Jamaican. No, like, the reason ah, yeah. I always think about sulforaphane is because when I worked in a lab, one of the studies we were looking at was whether sulforaphane could impact a certain form of cancer, and it, its impact was via like high dose anti-inflammatory. Um, no, it wasn't. It was on chronic fatigue syndrome. It wasn't cancer. It was chronic fatigue. Um, and it did show a benefit. And I always thought that was quite interesting because it's like, I mean, it's not that expensive and there's not going to be any harm from taking essentially quite high dose broccoli extract. Uh, so that might be something to try as well. Yeah, I would also say hydration levels too. Um, we know from, uh, we, well, we certainly know from a, back, from a lot of people's background, if you have follow any form of bodybuilding anybody who takes assistance generally needs to up their water intake because it dries out joints which if you are if you're dehydrated it can start to cause creaky joints and being a bit of bit painful in the joints and stuff so make sure your water's high that's just that's regardless whether or not you're assisted or if you're natural whatever being hydrated is also going to help i love that you call menopause or women assisted they technically are hrt it's assistance. No, nothing. Um, oh, interesting. <laughs> a study found that sulforaphane effectively reduced fasting blood glucose levels by 6%. Hmm? There you go. There you go. Okay. Anyone else want to add and think? Shall I move on to the next question? There's quite a few questions, actually. Um, how to improve front squats? My flexibility is awful. Thank you. But she's not said whether it's like wrist flexibility ankle flexibility so we'll have to see Mm. anyone i would recommend uploading a video and showing andy wrist flexibility you could use a set of lifting straps and have them up so that you don't have to have your wrists underneath your fingertips under the bar but i would always say everybody i see try to do front squats is like front squatting on top of their chest your arm should be out past your shoulder basically just beyond your shoulders which will allow a little bit more uh, um, alleviation of the sort of stress in the joint. If it's mobility at the ankle, maybe lift it, raise your heels with a pair of, with a set of weights plates under your heels. But again, yeah, we need to have a look at a video and see what it is, or you need to sort of spe- specify what it is where the flexibility issue is before we could actually give you some pointers. Mm-hmm. I really like front squats because I think you have to have good form on them. 
Mm. Like a lot of people can lean too far forward on a back squat or like butt wink the way up or whatever. But with front squats, like you have to be, have really good form and your back has to stay straight. So mm. yeah. And you might need to go a bit lighter just so that you can nail down that form actually as well. Excellent. Is resistance training sufficient to improve longevity? Oh, I know it's a good question. Um, but it's... No, like, I mean, if the only thing that you do, I mean, it, it's so multifactorial, right? Like your diet impacts, how much you move impacts as well. Like as an example, if you only resistance trained and you didn't get your steps in and you sat down for the rest of the day, is that going to negatively impact your health long-term? Yes, 100%. So there are different factors to longevity. The way that I'm reading into this question, I feel like potentially it's like, is resistance training alone without cardio enough? Like if we answer it from that perspective, I still think that it's good to have different modalities of training in there because they have different adaptations and different benefits. However, or not even however, but like to add to that, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, if I'm not doing structured cardiovascular work then I'm not improving my heart health and that's not true either because if you're resistance training your heart's having to work hard to pump the blood to those muscles right so you're still getting cardiovascular adaptations to resistance training it's just the adaptations to training will be specific to the modality that you're training right so if you're stressing your body doing endurance type training your body will adapt in a different way to resistance type training and if you want to get the best of both worlds, like I would include a bit of both. Yeah. I see it's a part of an interlocking pattern to improve longevity. It's as Emma said, it's multifaceted. There's not just doing resistance training, then eating eating shit and not doing cardio isn't going to improve longevity. Whereas if you have a sort of nice rounded look at the whole lot of it, you're more than likely, you know, after Rich's talk at level up like the longevity side of stuff covers both um with cardiovascular work and with your resistance training as well so it needs to and be the car so as i said the cardio doesn't need to be crazy i mean sometimes it can be but doesn't need to be does it so if you're looking because you don't want to do cardio maybe the question is i want to do resistance training because i don't like cardio cardio doesn't need to be crazy is it cardi no it's cardi no cardi no i'm um, learning <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and that's true like um that talk by Richie which was incredible also showed that you know like you can get the benefits from hit training or um lower intensity training so it depends what your preference is really if you're like oh do you know what I, I wouldn't mind sitting on an exercise bike pushing myself a bit to the point I'm a little bit out of breath and like I'm sweating a bit and I'm, I'm obviously like working my cardiovascular system but I could also watch some TV at the same time, right? Or be like texting or replying to DMs or something. <laughs> because everybody... I think I think he said talk, not sing, if that helped. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, because normally I would be singing while doing... <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, walked in, I've walked into Pure Gym, seen Emma warming up on the treadmill singing. It's it's a sight. And it's usually <laughs> Spice Girls or GD. It's a new RPE scale, actually. You have to see if people can sing. Yeah. And then if that's that. one way to make the Disney people... Hawks to Spice Girls. There's your that's your spectrum. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically it showed that you can get the benefits doing hit training, which would be more intense but take less time. 
And some people are like, yeah, I'd much rather do that. 10 minutes, get it done, cool. Or you can do cardio-based training. And then the really interesting research on HIIT training is that you see an improvement in insulin sensitivity from two 10-second max out sprints on a bike. Like, that is wild. It's always blown my mind that, like, such a small amount of exercise can have such a significant health improvement. So it's definitely worth doing something. I would suggest doing slightly more than that, but um yeah and when you think about it right okay so you've pushed your body essentially so far out of its resting state or its homeostatic range that it then has to adapt to it right and I think the best way to think about exercise because this is what exercise is is a stress on your body right so you're applying this stress to your body and then your body's like oh I better adapt so that next time this stress occurs I can better deal with it and that's why you also need recovery right because actually all the adaptation to that stress happens outside of the gym there you go right there's a lot of saliva in my mouth guys (laughs) just so you all know like i don't know if if you can hear it you sound fine you sound fine right when increasing weights in training if the full reps cannot be reached for that set do you go to where you can in terms of reps brackets failure and on the next set lower the weight or stay at heavier weight and lower the reps thanks does that make lots Um, lots of different ways you can play with this you can rest pause it so you could take a 30 second 20 to 30 second rest finish out the set with the same weight you could drop the weight finish the reps you could do basically tick anything like that so it depends on how much time you've got um and also how you how confident you feel in the gym is probably the number one if you're sort of if you're still a kind of novice maybe doing something like a rest pause is probably a little bit too too much and maybe dropping the weights or dropping the reps slightly might be a better idea so yeah, yeah. i was just say if the muscles work into fatigue that's the main aim isn't it yeah. they're tired okay right next question should I focus on home dumbbell workouts before joining a gym and get some strength first? Would love to join a gym, but I'm an absolute novice and feel a bit intimidated. The one I would join, I know is used by actual bodybuilders as well as non-bodybuilders. Feel a bit confused by the whole weight training thing, but know I want to progress eventually to move from weight loss to changing body composition. Just unsure how I, sh- I would go about it. Thank you. Um, No, 100% join the gym. I think you're just delaying the inevitable. And hey, if you're intimidated by it, just go in, walk on the treadmill for the first couple of sessions. Just get used to the environment. You'll find that it's way less scary than what you think once you're there. And then you'll also find, and I know this is like a hard, it doesn't seem that way potentially, but those big bodybuilders will be the nicest people to you in the gym. Like they are so passionate about what they do. They want to see other people in the gym. They that's their home they absolutely love it there but they'll also be the friendliest people probably look quite scary a lot of the time but like I met one of my best mates I think I've told this story a million times but I was sitting on a leg press and this massive man came over to me like skinhead covered in tattoos oh Andy you know how I'm talking about Glenn yeah yeah, yeah. and he was like 
oh I actually follow you on social media and was like chatting away to me right and I thought oh he's gonna tell me to get off the leg press because I've been playing on my phone or something but he's now like one of my best mates and he would go if you went up to him in the gym were like I'm not sure how to use the chest press he would spend his whole session taking you around the gym and there are so many people like that so don't be put off by the way someone looks like if they are judging you they're losers and if they're and the likelihood is they're not right so I think just getting in there getting in the environment and easing yourself in don't set yourself expectations of being like I have to do a full session if I go into this gym just go in and like hey maybe there's a machine that you feel relatively comfortable in like let's just try the chest press that's quite an easy one and then as you get more confident you'll be able to do more things in the gym the other thing I would do is go and speak to um you'll probably get an induction um and maybe I would have a little think about which machines or which exercises or which parts of the gym you don't feel comfortable in and then just ask them to like specifically show you certain things absolutely I think it's I I don't know where it I do know where it comes from it comes from old school people old school gym users but I think everybody's it's it's I don't know where the whole scary side of the gym comes from. It's it, nowadays because most. Oh, to be fair, I do. Like I it's well, pretty intimidating when a everyone knows what they're doing. They're probably yeah. headphones in. They're thrown around massive weights. They're huge, big bodybuilders. Like I can completely see why people are intimidated. Yeah, but yeah. It's, I think it's, you've got to look at the people rather than what's happening because the majority of the people, as you've already mentioned, the 99% of the people in the gym are, will be there to help you because they started where you did. So like, it's getting over the, the thought process of getting into the gym where people are shifting around some heavyweights and realising that everybody's making pro- everybody's trying to make progress and they're all there to help each other. It's a community. Most gyms are communities nowadays, aren't they? So. You know, you go in and most folk will be chatting away to each other. They're more than happy to help out. Um, so, yeah. I do agree with that. But I also think that often people aren't looking at you at all. They're so focused on what they're doing that you could be there and not have to. Nobody's looking at you. They're just doing their honestly, own thing. If they're bodybuilders, they're not looking at you. They are checking themselves out in the mirror. Oh, 100%. So I was going to say that, and then you were saying how lovely they are, and I was like, don't be rude about them. <laughs> I mean, like, they but can be so lovely, and let's be well, I, I tell everybody, vanity is a perfectly a perfectly valid goal. You want to look at yourself Absolutely. in the mirror lifting weights? Because I bloody well do. Yeah. They're down. <laughs> you want to see it working? They're down. They're down. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Um Oh, this is one for me. You mentioned milk thi- milk thistle for perimenopause night sweats. How much, how long, any suggested brands? Also, um, how can you tell if weight gain is due to increased muscle, wishful thinking, but just in case, the scales are all over the shop at the mo could well be fat hormones or muscle. Um, and then she went, <laughs> hang on, it's opened up. Oh, the scales are all over the shop at the moment. Could well be fat, hormones, and muscle, as I'm probably going for pushing focus progressive overload again. So if not now, I'll hope it will come. There you go. Okay, sorry, yeah, it expanded. Um, so milk thistle, that was one we mentioned in our call. Um, the things I've said said 400 milligrams per day for 12 weeks, um, which should help with severe hot flashes that's what the research showed 
she did go on actually to mention collagen and she was saying she's getting a bit confused by all the different collagens out there if the one that's been shown and you guys probably know this as well um to be absorbed or ingested better is a hydrolyzed collagen but if you're a vegetarian or vegan that's not so good because that one is animal based so if you're not then go for the hydrolyzed because it will mean you can absorb it quicker um and then what does she say oh weight gain <laughs> well i would say measurements for that it's is it fat or is it muscle um you'll change shape rather than scales but I'll let you guys carry on. Yeah, I mean, we don't bullshit anyone here. So I'm going to be totally honest. If you have been resistance training for a period of time already, like let's say six months to a year plus, it's very unlikely that you're going to experience significant gains in weight that are fully um, attributable to muscle. Like you'd be lucky to, to build a kilogram of muscle in a year. You certainly won't have done it. You know, if you've gained... A kilogram in a month it's not muscle a small percentage of it might be and that's not necessarily a bad thing and hey it could be a low it doesn't necessarily mean it's fat either right it could also be water retention for various reasons and if you're perimenopausal your water retention fluctuations throughout the month could be you know almost anything right so um because of the hormonal changes so i wouldn't think oh it's definitely fat I would go back and look at the data on that like am I sticking to my calories honestly and there's no right or wrong here it just means like okay well realistically if I'm not some of that probably is fat and then how can I adjust my diet to make sure that I am able to stick to my calories or maybe you need to reach out to your coach and have a chat with them about like struggling to stick to your diet and whether there's anything we can help you with um but really it comes back to like if you've been sticking to your steps, your workouts, and you can honestly say you've been sticking to your calories, and remember, there is no judgment here. We know it's hard, but it's very hard to coach someone if they're like, I've stuck perfectly to my calories, but I'm putting on loads of weight. Like, that's... She, um, she mentions night sweats, so she could not be sleeping properly, probably not sleeping properly, which might change behavior patterns during the day as well, of course. Yeah, and, and especially with like how much you're moving, how much you're eating we know that can have a huge impact so that's probably what we need to have a little look at and hey like if you take the milk thistle it helps with your nighttime sweats and then you are able to stick to your diet like in a roundabout way like that's definitely gonna help yeah yep there we go okay hello coaches i'd like some advice on setting weekly non-negotiables i really like this concept and have started to use it in other areas of my life other than health and fitness work parenting etc although I have a tendency to be over ambitious often I set the bar too high and I set too many aims for the week how do you decide your non-negotiables and how many do you tend to aim for okay I'm going to start with this because on commit to six this is my concept um non-negotiables are not meant to be targets they're meant to be minimums right? That's why they're called non-negotiable. So your targets aren't non-negotiable, but like a minimum is. So as an example, for me, a non-negotiable is getting 8,000 steps a day. Now I normally hit about 12,000 steps a day, right? So you can see there's a discrepancy there between what I will habitually hit. In fact, I don't really remember the last time I didn't get 10,000 steps in a day, right? But my non-negotiable is eight. So I would definitely make sure that I've at least done that, right? And my non-negotiable for the gym is three times a week but I normally go six days a week. 
So the whole point is they are minimum. And the whole point of this is that kind of links to like the cruise week analogy of like you'll have weeks where life gets really busy. Maybe your kid's unwell or like you've got a load on at work or there's other life stresses. And instead of going off the rails or off track, you just drop down to your non-negotiables, right? I might not make too much progress this week, but I'm at least going to tick these boxes. And it sounds a little bit like what you've done is just set like really high, high, high expectations of yourself, which aren't useful because what you end up doing is creating these promises that you're making to yourself, which is the targets that you've set for the week. And then you're not sticking to them, which means you're breaking these promises to yourself, which means you then don't have the belief in yourself that you can actually show up when you tell yourself you will. So I would always under promise and then over deliver. So set yourself, if you know that you normally go to the gym four times a week, your non-negotiable is two times a week, right? And if it's like work-wise, again, like I would, I would like my non-negotiable for showing up on social media is five posts a week. Now I normally post twice a day on social media every day, right? But I would at least do the minimum. And so I would think of it more like that. Um, a non-negotiable would be having one podcast out a week, but we normally get at least two just on this platform, let alone the other ones, right? So you, you're going to set like low targets for yourself that you can definitely hit and will mean that you're at least like cruising along, even if you're not going along at like the potential speed you could. Um, yeah, so hopefully that kind of helps with that. But I, I would set less non-negotiables rather than more. I think it's very easy to just have a huge list of things like, and then you don't actually show up for any of them. And there's no point doing that whatsoever. That's where overwhelming comes in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, less is more. That's the show. There you go. Okay, next. I've had some shoulder issues recently and I've been to the physio and got his recommendations, etc. One of the things he mentioned was that I am very upper trap dominant. And so my left lower trap is particular, in particular, is not being used much. Any good exercise to recruit and use these muscles? Thanks. This would be a big issue for a lot of people now who work at home who don't have like desk chairs like Ruth's got. Um, will have issues with traps because they'll sit <laughs> or they'll crush up. And Emma as well. I'm not, I've got a, a wee dining, cha- dining chair, but I'm pretty rigid at the most of the times anyway. Um, so yeah, so, but for traps, everybody always thinks of things like shrugs, but actually shrugs are going to hit more upper trap than anything else. And also majority of niggles come from people doing shrugs and doing them really badly. So pulling forward and pulling into the ear and stuff. Um, I would use, there's a couple of nice exercises that you could use. You could use face pulls. It's a nice exercise to play in for a sort of mid, kind of mid back into your kind of lower traps. And then there's another one that I use is called lying letters, which is chest down on a bench at about a 45 or a 60 degree angle. And all it is is a sit like probably the lightest weights that you can manage. And you do a virtually a T, like a sort of a U position. And then you bring into a W position where you tuck your elbows in. Um, and then you do sort of a rear fly position and then a Y position. So it's four, like basically four letters. Um, and it brings in the middle back. So you keep your chest up and make sure that your middle back and your lower traps are picking up. But that's probably your best bet. But starting off with something like face pulls is probably quite good because you want a bit of movement in there to be able to see what, where 
if you're lagging behind on one side, because you'll probably see if one's sort of not firing up quick enough, one side will be slightly sluggish and you'll be able to try to, and a lot of it's, it's difficult to try and engage those muscles because you can't see them. So most people can't feel them and trying to engage them is quite tough. Um, so a lot of that will be as well. If you want a, a couple more of that, just pop up a wee post and I can put up some, I'll pop up some stuff later, um, tomorrow or Friday. Um, wait a minute, what day are we on? Tuesday, tomorrow or Thursday. Have you thought about doing the YMCA like that? The YMCA? Yeah. Nah, because the C doesn't really get your traps in. Yeah, but it would stretch yeah. lats out, wouldn't it? Yeah, true, but you only do C one way, though. You would need to do both sides, otherwise you're not going to be level. A reverse C. A reverse C. YMCCA. It's fine. It's done. Well, you can't call it C because it's a backward C. Y-M-C-B-C-A, backwards Oh, my brain hurts. <laughs> um, the only other thing I'll add, especially if you are like, oh, yes, I resonate with what Andy's saying about sitting at home. One, get a better chair if that's what you're doing frequently. So important and will probably save you thousands of pounds in back surgery. Um, and then also get a band. So get a resistance band and then you can do like banded pull aparts when you usually oh there you go Ruth's got one but you're sitting like hunched over on the computer all day and just pulling back the other way really helps over and back okay. this one as well mm. I quite like just doing kind of um just going into like a, a hold against if you've got a rack or a banister just really letting yourself sink back into maybe a low squat but, but rounding your back and letting this go the other way you know mm. as well but um, okay. Does, even thinking about that feels good. I know it's my favorite. Well, it's one of my favorite. Just yeah, like a cat, like a cat, cow, but like that. Anyway, uh, Emma. It says morning, Emma. Supersets, giant sets. I'm struggling to finish them. What's the best approach? E.g., add rest, reduce sets of reps. For context, I'm already choosing lightweights after quite a big break from training. This seems to be similar to that other question, actually, doesn't it? Um, and then she goes on to say, I'm building my strength and confidence back up gradually, managing five to six exercises of the week, one to three gym program in an hour. Good. There you go. Um, I would just, if you're going to do the supersets, just do two rounds instead of three or four that are programmed. Okay. Perfect. And there's one for Andy next. I can only get one rep in for chin-ups. Should I use a band or swap the exercise? out for something else or keep at it and eventually it will become two reps uh, use a band um if you're if you can use a band or if you're, you're working in the gym like one of the assistant chin-up machines um all, you, all the band and the chin-up machine do is they take a percentage of your or a, a number of amount of weight off you so you're lifting less um if you don't have the access to either of them but you're working in the gym you could also do um a lap pull down that's another way of doing it as well. It's a very similar, it's basically the same movement, but you're you're pulling down rather than pulling up. Um, but yeah, definitely if you've got a band, use the band um, and that'll give you much better movement pattern with actually getting your pull-ups in. I would definitely do your one rep that you can do. Yeah. And then, yeah, either use a band or to be honest, I prefer lap pull-down because with the band, you're, it's giving you assistance at the wrong part of the movement which is why a lot of people you'll see doing band assisted pull-ups forever and never actually getting yeah. a pull-up 
because you're actually like weakest at the point that the band is helping you oh, wait strongest at the point that the band like basically it's the wrong way around whereas with doing that pull down or something similar it's a more similar movement and stressing your muscles in the right areas but that does seem to be everyone's go-to it's like get a band and and i think like if you're not confident in the gym that can be quite intimidating like we've also seen a lot of the gym feels with bands as well um but like finding the right band attaching it in the right way like it's easier when you can hold your own body weight and you're kind of hanging around and getting in a band like that's fine if you can do that but if you're doing one chin up like you probably can't right so actually all of it is a bit of a kerfuffle and it's as you say it's much easier to use a set of lap pull down with that one because you can just go up a plate to make it heavier whereas with a band you might actually go well i need to get a red band and a blue band but then the next week i need to get a, a red band and another different band and it's just a, a, just just a muck around and you, by that time you're like i've lost interest in the session i'm done <laughs> yeah perfect um it's one for me i believe i'm experiencing perimenopausal symptoms but I'm 41 is this too early it is not too early so the average age is 45 for perimenopause but obviously that can go either way um if it's before the age of 40 they say POI premature ovary insufficiency that's if your ovaries have stopped working but it can happen at you know at any point in theory so if you're getting symptoms I'd keep a note of them if I were you and then take a visit to a doctor it definitely helps to go in with a list I think so you can kind of say this is what I'm having and then uh, show it to your doctor yeah and a lot of this can be genetic so it might even be worth like asking your mum when she went through menopause other things that can impact is like poor diet smoking like can can cause like premature menopause or, or like earlier onset as opposed to potentially premature and then interestingly there seems to be a link between when you start your period and menopause as well Mm. Well, it makes sense because I guess there's a certain number of eggs that you're born with. Um, so that does kind of make sense. And actually, it, it's just whether they're perimenopause, because we were saying the other day, some of the symptoms of perimenopause do overlap with other things that could be going on as well. So it is worth looking at other areas and just ruling out if it's something else. For example, yeah, vitamin do. D deficiency. I would yeah. do what Ruth has said and like note down anything that you're feeling and how frequently it is and if it relates to a certain time of the month or anything like that and then take that to your doctor and they can investigate for you or with you yeah right next I'm starting a new job Monday and have less time to work out than I am used to I realize that this is kind of a silly question but is it cheating if you get your 10 to 12,000 steps in cardio instead of spread throughout the full day. In my job, I am an NP, I think nurse practitioner, isn't it? I'll be, I'll be sitting a lot when talking to my patients. The clinic is smaller than ones I have worked at before, so I know it may be harder to get steps in during the day. I do know it's about staying active all day, so if we shouldn't count steps we do in cardio sessions, then I need to probably add walks at the end of the day, which seems daunting along with keeping up the weights. No, no, that's absolutely fine. I mean, what I would do is try not to just sit for hours and hours and hours, but that could just simply be like, go to a further weight toilet or just like get up and do a couple of squats. Like if you've got back-to-back -back patients, just still stand up, do a few lunges or do a few squats before someone comes in and then just sit back down. Like just make sure you're not sedentary 
the whole day. It will also probably wake you up a little bit. You can imagine some patient walking in just doing a set of lunges. Hi. <laughs> I was having the same image. I was like thinking about them greeting at the door with a lunge. Or sitting, or sitting at the bottom of a squat and they come, I'm here, hi. Just chat to them in the squat hold. Perfect. Don't worry, just, I'm almost finished. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting no. times are going to go up, but you no. know, you'll be fine. Okay. Do you have any suggestions for seated or wheelchair ab exercises? Two straight off the bat, I would go for is probably pal of press and um, cable wood chops. Um, Pile of presses that you use the exact same piece of kit in exactly the same place on a, on a cable machine out in front of you, a press away from you for a pile of press, and then a rotation for a wood chop. And I would do both sides for both exercises. Um, from that one, depending on the mobility that you do have in a wheelchair, there are potentially other exercises as well. You could maybe do rope crunches. That might be an option as well. Um, but again, a lot of that's about, like, I know that, for instance, Emma doesn't do rope crunches because she doesn't feel them. So she can't can't get your, your core into the position. So it just depends. A lot of that will be about giving you options, but then having to try and test them to see if they work. Um, but I would have thought that a pile of press and a wood chop would be two that you can definitely do. Maybe a Russian twist with a medicine ball. You could probably do that as well. So there's probably three off, three straight out the bat for you. Yeah, I would say the same. And then it kind of depends on your limitations. Um, yeah. Sometimes you can do some form of like plank. Obviously not in the wheelchair, but you know. That's hard. On. That's hardcore. Yeah, with the whole <laughs> wheelchair on top of you. Yeah. So your 10 kilo weights plate. <laughs> and and you can do the um pal of presses at home as well, can't you? The bands. So yeah. adding super bands in as well. For that. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, do you get any steps? Oh, do you get any steps from bicycling or only walking? Wait, don't, don't, don't yeah. but you do. <laughs> yeah, you don't necessarily get steps per se, but the only reason we use steps is because it's a really easy way to gauge your activity levels now if you're like oh I don't get any steps but I cycle to work and back every single day and it's a 40 minute round trip like that counts towards your energy expenditure it's just hard to quantify in the same way as steps yeah this is the last question last question this one said I listened to one previous podcast which covered self-sabotage which I found very interesting in that Emma said most of the time it probably isn't that it's isn't that it's maybe more boredom especially if you've been dieting for a while I think that's me and whilst I don't have a lot to lose I'm always putting myself under pressure to get it right every day I fluctuate a couple of kilograms either side of goal this leads to an all or nothing mindset which I'm trying very hard to switch out of I have good days then it goes tits up and I scramble over the week the next few days to get it back which is the answer oh what is the answer here as I'm now finding myself in the weekly cycle of an unhealthy mind and lots of loathing, it's usually a Wednesday, it's usually Wednesday by the time I feel better. Okay. This is really common. Um, and I'm glad you're self-aware enough to be like, oh, this isn't really self-sabotage as much as it's I'm bored of dieting. One thing would be to have a diet break. So the first thing I'd question is if you're one to two kilograms away from your goal, 
you're at your goal really like maintenance I would say maintenance for most people and it depends on your body size but it's probably going to be fluctuating by about three kilograms right I know I certainly do probably a little bit more than that um just at different times of the year now I would say that that's still maintenance um so I probably think if you're having to work that much harder and you're getting into this unhealthy cycle to lose this last tiny bit of weight which I don't know where you've come up with that number of being like, I need to be one to two kilograms lighter. And I would say it's potentially not worth it. So then that would be a, another thing to consider. Do I want to just take pressure off, come to maintenance? Honestly, sometimes when you do that, you lose weight anyway. And then the other thing I would say is this is a mindset thing and relates quite nicely to the non-negotiables and why we have them and why they're done the way they're done. Right. So low barrier non-negotiables so as an example with calories it might be my non-negotiable is I don't go above say 2,000 calories when I'm dieting right so even if you did overeat a bit like you're probably still going to be depending on what your numbers are like about your maintenance level maybe just a little bit more but you're not going to go way off track and then get into this yo-yo cycle so you could have a kind of range that you always stay within um but yeah, I think for you, it would kind of be questioning, like, is it worth it to lose this extra one or two kilograms? Or do I want to even say, it sounds like you might need a bit of a diet break psychologically as well of just, let's take the pressure off for the next two months and enjoy myself and hit about maintenance and not worry too much about my weight and try and push myself in the gym a little bit more. And then if I decide that I still want to lose that one to two kilograms, then I can do another bit of a dieting phase. Yeah. yeah, I think it's this thing about getting stuck on a number. Um, when I, I did a post podcast with Shona, who I work with earlier today, we had this exact same discussion. It's um this thing about having a number. Where 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 do people get this number from? Like, where's who's thought up the number? What's why why is the number that you've given yourself your target? Is there a reason behind it? Is it and a lot of it probably comes back to when you were younger that you oh I was you know when I was when I was 19 I was this I was this way and I was doing yeah but 19 you were a student you had no dependence you had no family you had nothing to worry about you could not eat for three days and people would be fine but now you have a family you've got people that you need to look after you have a, a full-time job you've got a sedentary job and you're you're a completely different place so this thing about hedging yourself and like using a number to sort of put yourself on you need to move away from that mindset. That's real. It's a it's, it's a <laughs> mindset to hold on to because any fluctuation is going to throw you off. And similarly, like I messaged them earlier on because obviously um, Elena will not mind because it's on already, but she popped up a, a post earlier on and it's, exa it's exactly the same. At times you either need to deload because you end up pushing, you end up burning the candle at both ends, chasing something that's an arbitrary number. Like, why is that number so important? Because you'll not be able to tell us it either. You know, what's one or two kilos in the grand scheme of things? Not a huge amount. And is it worthwhile sacrificing? And then Elena's obviously, she's at the moment, she's a smaller person than most, but she's up at, like she's saying that she's up at 4.45 a.m. to get steps in and stuff. Like we're now, you're burning the candle at both ends and you need to take a break like have a deload have a deload take some time away from diet and go back to maintenance for a little bit of time put some focus somewhere else don't put it on a scale number put it on numbers in the gym and trying to be stronger 
that means that you can feel your sessions better. Um, but yeah, it's that it's that age old thought process of oh the scale weight. Is, I'm tied to a scale weight and a number, and we're not. None of us are. Mm-hmm. I think th- another add if you're comparing to like when you were twenty or something is as much as I said previously in this episode, you probably not put on that much muscle mass. You might have over the last 10, 20 years, right? So you were whatever, 60 kilograms back then. It might be very hard for you to get 60 kilograms now. Um, Yeah, so I would consider that. And then also like from what Andy was saying, I'm like, if it's one or two kilograms, honestly, if I snuck into your house at night, I'm not going to do this, don't worry. But if I did, and then I just like slightly altered your scales, like would that completely change would you then be happy and the like unfortunately the answer is probably yes but actually your body composition is exactly the same that's that's the commit that's the commit to six plus membership yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually it's interesting isn't it because she said actually either side i'm a kilogram a couple of kilograms either side of where she, her goal is so actually oh. she could sometimes she's definitely at goal by the looks of this and then it's the after the weekend. So she's eating a, a little bit differently over the weekend and then weighing herself on a Monday morning, feeling guilty. It's likely it has gone up again because she might be holding a bit more water from a few more carbs over the weekend as well. So it sounds like she may be, and she said she's feeling it kind of self-loathing until Wednesday when maybe the scales have balanced out again and she's over it. So it sounds like a bit of a, a cycle of maybe what she's eating at the weekend that's different I don't know yeah yeah it sounds like you're ready to come to maintenance to be honest good place to be Woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> okay thank you both for your incredible brains and the group for the absolutely amazing questions I'm very impressed with the timing of this I mean we nailed every single question in exactly the right timing that we had so we will be back next week to answer more bye guys Ciao. if you enjoyed this episode and you are interested in applying to work with us for coaching head to esgfitness.co.uk fill in the application form tell me a little bit about yourself and your goals and i will shoot you an email